they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. can't see, cause you can find it, homes just that you don't want to. You cope by putting the blinders on. I've been trying to find some kind of way, but I've kind of known that y'all would rather whine and lash to nonsense cause your mind is gone. I can't save every person in politics and it's bringing the worst out the very earth. And every perk of living on this turf is being chipped at and nerfed, but I can't sit back and lurk. I've got to hit back, I'm certain it's my purpose. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 70 of The Underground. I am once again joined by Joseph. Wild West, Kemp style. Nations. Oh, man, I did it again. Dang it. <laughs> Dude, I gave you time, too. I know. I know. I knew. I, I was like, oh, man. my The pressure. The pressure. I know, no, it's true. I, and Yeah, it's true. I, I think I'm going to have to like write a script until I get used to it. Uh, yeah. Let me. Okay. One more time. One more time. Okay. Uh. I should make you keep it since that's what you do to me. Uh, I know. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm the one that's editing it. So <laughs> <laughs> you have all the power. All right. <sighs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 70 of The Underground. I am joined once again by Joseph. Wild West Kemp style. Nations. And this is the show where we talk about how politics ruins everything. Got it that time. How's it going, Joseph? Man, it's going well. I'm going to go ahead and get into the little spill here and just let everyone know, hey, if you've been following us this long and you've liked our stuff, we appreciate you. And if you're new here, just want to let you know that you can go to our show notes and the podcast details and click our direct me link. There you'll find all of our socials. You'll find our YouTube channel. You'll find how you can donate to us uh, through PayPal or with uh our Bitcoin address as well. And basically what we utilize here is a value for value system, which you can donate to us in the form of your time, talent, and treasure. Whatever you have to join, whatever value you think you're getting out from this podcast and our YouTube channel, you can give it to us in return. Um, it's just a way we like to be able to keep free from any advertisers in the future. We just want to organically grow our base to where we're relying upon you and not anyone else. And so it's a way for us to talk about speech freely. So we're not have to, having to worry about being censored. Now, the best things that you can do is always to download our episodes, share our episodes on social media, and then subscribe and like and comment and engage with us on YouTube and everywhere as well. Our email address that you can contact us is in our direct.me link as well. You can, uh, if you want us to talk about any type of topics or if you disagree with anything that we have to say or if you want to correct us on anything just shout out to us and then do you want to do that spill or you want me to of what i just put in the show notes yeah um I'll, I'll do it it's fine um so one of the things that we're trying to do is help people get off of apple spotify amazon google whatever the wherever the majority of people are listening to podcasts and so in our show notes, you'll be able to find a link to uh, podcastindex.org, and it's slash apps. That's where all of these new uh, Podcasting 2.0 apps are located, and these are apps that if one of these days Apple, Spotify, whoever decides to really uh, start crushing people's podcasts on their platform, you won't have to worry about it because these apps aren't associated with any of those platforms. Yep. Um, I, I mean iTunes has already done it to uh, what they would call like quote unquote fringe podcasts. 
so it's you know a matter of time before it starts going after uh, people like us potentially yeah oh absolutely it's on the way yeah so it's there uh we'd love for you guys to use it um and like joseph said once you download um that app uh just download our episodes uh while you're at it yeah i'm completely off of apple podcast now yeah and i am now using two different apps i'm I, and i do agree with you i gotta find it here because i just switch around podcast everything guru. <laughs> yeah podcast guru i just switched around my uh everything on my iPhone. Unfortunately, I have an iPhone and not something else. Anyway, I can't find it right now. But yeah, I'm using po- uh, Podcast Guru. Oh, here we go. And I uh, still have Play a Pod on there as well. But Yeah, I'll probably so, be yeah. doing the same too. So, well, Joseph, why don't we go ahead and get into the show? Let's do it. And, uh, you know, you're up first. Yes, I am. So, as I think we talked about it oh, on a previous episode last year about the 10 billion i want to say it was that blm raised and how they didn't um we were asking where to go anywhere and stuff like that and uh, we were noticing just different things with the national party well come to find out a blm organizer has been convicted on 20 counts of possessing child porn and he and crazy enough apparently that's only enough for three to six Years of jail time. Um, <laughs> I know, dude. Absolutely crazy, man. You can commit fraud, which I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I would imagine most people would say the possession of child porn uh, or cheese pizza is. Uh, <laughs> this isn't going a on lot YouTube school. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but so, yeah, he received a three to six year prison sentence, um, which started on December 27th and only a $4,000 fine. But he must register as a sex offender and comply with probation. Um, DeVries could be incarcerated for as long as 15 years, with one year potentially being washed from his sentence if he completes sex offender treatment. Um, and I know like a lot of uh, prosecutors, um, depending on how long they're on probation, they view probation as a way that more than likely most people don't keep the probation and then you end up that's when if you break violate probation that's when with offenses like this that's when you really get the entire book thrown at you and i'm just like i just think we should go ahead and get it um yeah but also with kind of like you know my specific views i wonder what would be a good form of restitution for this you know what i mean Uh, i mean when it's it comes to, to well that's the thing is when it comes to stuff that's on the internet uh and you know he it, it's like a you know a source of a source right i mean you're talking right. about something that's not directly connected to that uh not to mention my my guess if a lot of the stuff that was surrounding uh Epstein and all of that is correct this stuff's never going away because the government likes yeah. to use it to uh uh, honeypot people yep so it, it's just a it's a situation of i mean they, i'm glad they you can, brought up epstein yeah that dude his buddy died yeah his buddy um, got uh quote unquote suicided <laughs> no nah, he got hillary clinton that's why i call well, that's out. yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> uh yeah no and uh the security cameras were down man those things are as bad as mcdonald's ice cream machines uh uh-huh. no kidding like, absolutely crazy but this next story um, you know, we all remember that as I was just mentioning the 10 million do- or the 10 billion dollar in donation 
donations that BLM got last year. And then you had also brought up how the one of the founders of the BLM national organization had multi uh, million dollar mansions. Yeah, Patrice Colors. Yep, Patrice Colors. And I'll just go ahead and let this r- reporter from the UK break it down for us. So this week, Amazon suspended Black Lives Matter from its charity platform, Amazon Smile. Now, the tech companies say they failed to tell them where $60 million in donations has gone. As Amazon spokespersons say, Black Lives Matter will be deprived from funds raised on Amazon Smile until they are back in compliance. The suspension was first reported by the Washington Examiner and auditors first made their concerns known when no one was able to say who handles their finances and financial records were not released. Well, we would love to get your views on yes, this. Yes, we do you would think? absolutely what, love to get your views on this. What do you think about a suspension section? But let's just start with yeah. you. What do you I think? Mean, I, I think it's astonishing. I think m- many of the people like myself and others who criticise Black Lives Matter from the beginning, uh, I, I don't like to say that I feel vindicated, but I, I do slightly. Mm. I mean, it's an organisation that wants to abolish the family, uh, defund the police, uh, despises capitalism, and wants to... Uh, socialise young people into a very resentful and negative view about the society to which they grow up in, despite the fact that we live in a society that has made profound leaps and bounds when it comes to actually uh, ending discrimination. Not completely. There's still a long way to go. But we've come very, very far. And I think that they seek to sow division and resentment. And when we saw that the leader of Black Lives Matter uh, having a multi-million dollar property portfolio when you have uh, cities and states within America who have crime rates uh, akin to war zones in the Middle East, some parts of Chicago. I think it really says something. And $60 million is a lot of money, like a lot of money. I think even if they picked one city where they said, you know what, all this money we're going to invest in education, policing, community organizing, to genuinely improve the material lives of those people, to show that what investment can actually do, they haven't done that. And I think Whilst I, I take no pleasure in the, the fact that this money has been lost, it's very sad. Very no, sad. It's, 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 it's very sad. It's very sad. And obviously, you don't want to. Yeah, no, I just thought that was a great breakdown. Pretty much covered everything, and it speaks for itself. They, As I think we've been trying to tell everyone for the past year or so longer, they don't care about you. They're only using you. And I'm not referring to the local, um, you know, uh, BLM, you know, parties and every single supporter of them, just, you know, at the national level. That's what I can speak for. Don't be, as we're seeing, as we have seen, don't be a useful idiot from the government. You there, David? I think you're muted. Uh, Yeah, I, um, I was checking to see if I still had the article for... What I want to say was one of the first episodes that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I have it, which sucks. Oh, I found it. I can't believe I found this. Uh, $10.6 billion was given to Black Lives Matter causes. Where did the money go? Uh, we talked about this. Um, let's see. This was written in December uh, 16th of 2020. Um, so this was even before you and I actually started the podcast. Um, but I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on one of our first shows. It said, following the police killing of George Floyd on May 25th, uh, the message Black Lives Matter appeared on signs, blah, blah, blah. Uh, public support grew for Black Lives Matter. Um, 
BLM-related causes pulled in more than $10.6 billion in donations, according to The Economist. Uh, not much is known about how this money is being used. The organization founders, three black women, Alicia Garza, um, Patrice Cullors, and Opal uh, Tomelli, have been accused on social media of not sharing a single cent with black people. Um, so this is this is not something that's new. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's is, not. And oh shoot, I got rid of our show notes. Um, the uh, founders of BLM they just use the incidences that were occurring and what was going on in our politics to their advantage financially. Yeah, which absolutely. Is evil. Yeah. And, you know, of course, they're out there calling themselves Marxists and doing all this stuff. Oh, yeah. and, um, and victims, too. Yep. And instead of using that money for different poor areas and to do what they said that they were going to do with it, they just kind of proved that the whole thing was a sham. Yep. Uh, which, of course, a lot of us either predicted or knew kind of going into it or right of course you never 100 percent know what's going on with people right um, but considering most of those funds were being funneled through act blue which is a front for the democratic party and a lot of these um uh other stuff that was going on that we talked about even with the uh what was it the uh stop asian hate was like a really similar thing except i'm pretty yep. sure most of that money was going to organizations in china <laughs> <laughs> right um so there's there's a lot of the stuff that goes on. And the one thing I think you and I took away from it last year was it's like when don't, when someone has an organization and they start this thing up, do your research into who is paying their bills and where the money that people are donating is going to. Yes. So it's like when Follow you donate the money and exactly go ahead. I was going to, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Follow the money, <laughs> follow the money and look into who these people are, right? Don't just look at a few tweets and stuff. Oh, they're good to go. Uh, look into, you know, uh, everything they've put out, whether they've done, you know, uh, podcast episodes, articles, speeches, you know, tweets, Facebook statuses, just everything and anything and see who they surround themselves with, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, you just got to think about it. Right. I mean, I, I wish I could have taken uh, just a timeline of all these incidences that happened. And they really had so many people in this place, man, where it's like. Uh, they were getting people to put like black squares on their Instagram profiles. Uh, Dude, I know. You man. know what I mean for like, and and it was like, oh, it, you know, uh, am I going to be a racist if I or the, are people going to think I'm racist if I don't put this this black square on my profile today? Yep. <laughs> like, Dude. I mean, they had people in a trance, man, just like okay, really everybody um, using that social pressure, pressure hard, that peer pressure. Yep. It was there. Oh, it was hardcore there, man. Um, and they even pushed it as far as to say, like, you know, the whole silence is violence. Or it's like, oh, if you're not speaking out on this, you obviously uh, that that you might as well be agreeing with the other side. Like, that's yeah. that's the kind of language that was being used at the time. Um, that means. Yeah, uh, it's it's crazy stuff, man. I mean, you go from kind of just like living your life, trying to pay your bills, doing whatever. And now all of a sudden there's like this, Yeah, there's this massive group of people. Um, pulling out the isms and ists on you. You're a racist and a uh -huh. misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of all of that, I just I found this clip uh, the other day, and I wanted to play it real real quick because I thought it was kind of uh, kind of interesting. Alrighty. Horseshoe theory. I'm going to give you an example: the Baptist and the bootlegger. Okay. okay. The Baptist wants alcohol to be illegal because he finds it to be immoral. Sure. The bootlegger 
wants alcohol to be illegal so he can make money he can make tons of money right right they are two ends of the extreme and they meet at the same point they the both middle. want the same thing okay gotcha they both want alcohol to be illegal right the kkk and woke leftists they both end up at the same place segregation and i think this is so hilarious and so sad at the same time so i, th- I think it was denver it was definitely in colorado there was a school on the marquee it said Families of Color Playground Night. Right, right, right. Families of Color Playground Night. So we're just fully getting on board with segregation now. Even on a lot of college campuses now, they're even advocating for, I think they probably already the dorm exist. Rooms. The dorm rooms. Yeah. is just like all people of color. Horseshoe Theory, I'm going to give that's solid. It reminds me of that. Uh, what's his name? Ryan, that uh, comedian uh, does Ryan those Long. skits. Yeah. Yes, Ryan Long, mm-hmm. where he uh, did a sketch of the woke left and then racist. Yep. And and they agree on like just about everything. everything. And that's yeah. what she's talking about is that uh, they 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 seem completely opposed to each other. But then when it comes down to it, all of their ideas are coming from the same place. And if um, they were genuine. You know, if like BLM was genuine and these other places, they would know that when you say the Reconstruction era, what helped um, African-Americans thrive, start to thrive, was a centralization or I shouldn't say centralization. I should say an emphasis within their community on faith and family. And there was something else as well. I can't always forget the third thing. It's fine. So but, uh, here's the- I, I want to say even like uh, financial, like having their own properties. I think it had to do with finances, well, yeah. right? Detached from the government. And you saw them thrive up until old Southern boy got put in and then reinstituted everything essentially yeah. just in a new way. So, well, and that's, that's something that makes a lot of sense. If your community isn't uh, focused on family if you're not able to make your own money and you're having to rely on something like the government to get that for you, um, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And unfortunately that's what happened to um, the blacks in the U S and you know, it's a, it's kind of an interesting thing. This whole, like I, I was having a a conversation with uh, a day who you and I both know, Uh, this was a Mm -hmm. while back. He won't care if I mention this um, because we haven't even finished the conversation. Um, He better not. You better be sure about that. Otherwise he'll beat you up. (laughs) Um, I can probably lift more than him now. (laughs) Um, He texted him right now. (laughs) (laughs) David said, you're a weak, weak little man. (laughs) So he, um, he and I were talking because I was just kind of curious about, um, the integration that a lot of uh modern churches are doing mm-hmm. um so and the name of his church is slipping my mind the summit the summit thank you so summit does like this outreach program and we were just kind of vaguely talking about um sort of like uh black churches and whether it was okay for them to kind of stay the way that they were and um he wouldn't uh, we didn't get like super deep into it, but the question that I asked him was, I was like, if everything's working fine for them, man, like why, why do we need to have them like integrated into your church? Like if they're happy where they are and nothing is going wrong. And the only thing that you can see is that it doesn't, you know, that it is uh, specifically one color. So you could say that they are in a way segregated. What, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are you trying to like go in and like change everything for them for? 
Like, is that, is that what's going on? He's like, well, it's complicated and, um, it's not exactly what we would want to do. Um, but it's just something that, that comes to mind because mm-hmm. a lot of people talk, and this is something Mo talks about all the time where it's like, you look in every other society throughout history and it's pretty segregated. Um, now obviously yep. this is, this is not a, uh, a, a, a pro segregation standpoint. It's just more of having a conversation about like, maybe we don't need to try to force everyone to, uh, constantly be around each other you know Mm. what i mean it's like i'm not trying to throw up a burning cross in someone's yard and they're not trying to do something like that to me um but we are not like hanging out all the time uh for one reason or another so why why is now there these organizations who seemingly have a lot of issues with uh pedophilia among other things um fraud all this other stuff right right and why can't it just be that it's like, oh, hey, man, like, cool. You know, you're over there. I'm over here. It's like if we yeah. ever have so those, you know. I think I think a, a good way to to frame it and to say it is kind of how I think of it. If, like, up here where I live, there's not a ton or I'll, I'll even say this. You have a star, starter church in India, right? guarantee you there's not going to be a ton of white people or probably like none black people or you know maybe some asians right but you know probably no hispanics right and yet and that's so a church is probably going to reflect the area that it looks like yeah it's basically kind of more so what i'm getting at i went to um, a black church when like a predominantly black church when I was um, younger, like in middle school or whatnot, enjoyed it. No one treated me weird. They didn't look at me like as an outsider. So I think the the difference and there's a difference in the segregation with the KKK. Well, of, also, yeah, of also course, advocating for segregation, which no one's advocating for that. No. Although I do, you know, um, I do understand the mindset and the desire to want to um, integrate yeah, but cultures and places and everything. But as far as to put someone through, a, I think an encouragement of that, right? Like, hey, go out of your comfort. If, if someone's uncomfortable with there, just, hey, you know, I think it'd be good to reach out to this community and everything and sure. um, all that's fine. But to try to, I think where it goes wrong is try to make some, using guilt and shame to do that. Well, and it's one of those things that's like, all right, we're not okay. So if if you want to say on the church analogy, um, right? Because that's kind of where it was at. But it's like, if they're a part of a community already, right? Because mm-hmm. you have communities within cities, mm-hmm. and it's not as if there just needs to be this one church where everybody um, is like super multiculty, right? There is right. there is stuff like that, and that's fine. But then you also have these churches that are part of these smaller communities, and they're working on their community, right? Exactly. Their, their little thing. And so that's where I'm kind of like curious that it's like if things are working for them and if it's predominantly of one specific uh, ethnicity, um, why does it really matter? Right. You have like those Korean churches um, throughout different cities or whatever. And, you know, they're doing something similar. Uh, I presume I've actually never been to one. Um but that's kind of where I'm getting at is it's like, yeah, it, it's not. Yeah, no one. It's not about like a forced segregation thing. It's just like, hey, why don't you just kind of like let people live their lives and go to the churches that they want to go to 
and determine the health of the church based on their actions and what they're doing in their community um, rather than the makeup of uh, skin color. Right? Yeah, what like, people like the the focus being there on yeah. the skin color, right? Yeah, so it's and that's the the weird thing, right? Is it's like um, you have these people who um, it sometimes I think are and I I've been caught up in it too because this was a big thing in um, like the mega church, Baptist mega churches for a while where it was like mm-hmm. they were they were saying like we want the church uh, like our church to have. Um, to to be like a similar image of the city that we're in, which is fine again, right? But it's like where are the where are these people coming from? Like, are we? Are, we're, as long as we're not going about this in a way that we would be pulling from, essentially, what do they what do they call it? Like, uh, I was gonna say sniping, but that's not the right term. Um, but like pulling people from like other churches or whatever. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I guess it's it really comes down to intention uh, with all of that. But it it was just kind of weird. Um, and it, and it reminded me of some of this stuff where it's like uh, we like the, the idea of like integration or whatever is like a very like statist thing. Yeah. Because even the whole thing. Um, what was the name of the the girl that is on in all those pictures? And she's like hailed as this the kid who um, was like the first person to integrate into a, a predominantly white school. Oh, yeah. I know who, you're you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, it it was one of those things that's like the state is kind of the reason that that happened. Um, and I believe Mo was the one who was saying that it's like it wasn't even good for them because this school was so far outside of like where they lived. And so mm. you're pulling them out of their community in order to uh, have this appearance of like progression. Right. Yeah. Um, which I just I always think is really interesting. And I always think about that when people post that stuff because it's like, mm. oh, and, and also got to remember, it's like this is a public school thing, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like all this stuff generally connects. Um and it's it's always really weird that uh they that they do this. Um and the public school education system just constantly seems like it's like failing these people. Uh yeah. and it's it's about like uh I guess the other thing that goes along with it is that the kid they are they're always using kids as like pawns, right? So oh yeah. Whenever absolutely. whenever you hear the politicians talk about that kind of stuff, they're like Oh, uh, think of the kids or it's, they'll, they'll be like, watch these children as they all talk about how they're happy to continue to wear their masks. Right. Or, um, even, even online, right. Where you see, we've talked about this in the past where like the, um, the parents will talk about how they had a conversation with their kid and it's like, your kid never would have said that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Like, my five-year-old came up and explained to me the Pythagorean theory I yeah can't say that. the pythagorean pythagorean. <laughs> um yeah yeah pythagorean it's, theory. um it's very uh it's very weird and so it's one of those things where i think we all have to be careful that our our ideology or whatever we're we're kind of like gung-ho about we got to consider like what's going on around us and the people that are around us um because sometimes it may seem like a good thing on the outside but if you're like tearing communities apart or you're doing stuff that ultimately might not be a good idea um, for that area, uh, you can cause some real damage without even realizing it. The- That's actually a great segue into our next one. However, so it. hold that thought so you can into our next topic. Okay. okay. Hold that thought because I want you to say it again. So hold everything you just said because I'm going to say I wanted to say two things. Completely agree when it comes to the state. Uh, a lot of things are bullcrap. That's just a very Joseph paraphrase version of that. <laughs> uh, the second thing is you don't only need to examine intentions 
with some with something, uh-huh. you also need to examine the effectiveness of it. And you know, pr- probably a good portion of the time that's going to come after you've done something. You know, you count the calls to the pre planning, but then you probably may not see it until you start the process. How effective it's being, and then thirdly. You know, uh, outside the state level, on the biblical level, I do agree, you know, when in Christ we are all one, there's neither Jew no, nor Greek, slave nor free. But again, as we say, like, I, I think I think a good criticism to have that that I've criticized is when Americans try to take their culture and their values and they go to Asia as far as how they um, – their view on things and they try to then criticize how other countries or cultures uh, do their church services or anything like that, you know, within the frame of it being biblical, right? We're talking about, you know, adhering to the primary doctrines of the Christian faith when I say churches. Uh, And that's always struck me as as odd, but uh, because I don't think that the, you know, to, to, gosh, you know, you use a term like Eurocentric that's from the left. And it's like, now you got to explain everything. I'm not going to die uh, on a thousand hills of qualifications. Colonizer. Qualifications. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we need to have an ISO of just that. <laughs> oh, I've got one. I can get one from uh, black Panther. Every time we say anything, that's, uh, um, something the left says, just, uh, have that go colonize. you uh, Shiri from, uh, Black Panther, she says something like that. I need to see if it'll make sense, but yeah, I'll but, I'll put that in my memory. <laughs> to to say it like this, and and there's probably a better way to say it. They take a, a Christian Eurocentric view and try to implant that, which again, you know, it's probably again not coming from bad intentions, just what they know, implanting that in Africa and Asia, Latin America, wherever. Whereas you know. I think you and I have discussed off the podcast a lot, maybe even on the podcast, how, why is church run this way? Why are there typically, at least in the SBC, you know, you have three songs, a 45 minute message, and then you have one or two response songs or whatnot. Um, you know, or, you know, basically the structure of how the format of the church, why isn't it done a different way? Yeah. Uh, but getting back on topic, integration, the point being made is that I think, integration does matter but it pertains to what your community looks like and where you're at within that community and to your point as well you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely but what was that thing that you said that was i told you to remember did you Uh, remember the road to hell is paved with good intentions no it wasn't that but yeah that works no uh oh good intentions having good intentions you need to analyze the effectiveness of your intentions. What you're about to, yeah, of your intentions, okay, the method so, you're going to carry that out in, and then what that ultimately looks like, right? Right. right. So you could um, make a peanut butter cookie for someone and put your heart and soul into it and be ha- have the best of intentions in giving that someone, and then you don't realize that person has a peanut allergy and you kill them. Exactly. It's just super simple analogy to say, yep. like, you have to be aware of what's going on around you. Uh, one of my buddies likes to, to talk about how... Um, uh, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. Um, or I think um, you know Mo mm-hmm. said, "What was the one, what's the one that Mo always says?" He says, "Ah, um, oh, shoot, I can't remember." It's so good too. 
If you um, ain't cheating, you're you're not trying. <laughs> it's not that. Uh, I might I might remember later on, but it's essentially the same idea that it's like, um, you know, there has to be uh, that time of learning uh, from your surroundings or whatever. Like if you have the intention to do something, like if you're going to start a church right. in an area, like just take like Ethiopia or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not, if your plan is essentially to do this once with a couple people to make them feel good about themselves uh, and you don't follow through for essentially the life of the church, mm-hmm. um, you're probably failing at that thing and it's probably not something that you should do. Yeah, and, and I'll and, even and, use oh, another yeah, example. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, I don't even know now. Uh, no, you're fine. I'll, I'll even use another example. When I went to LA to a dream center, basically the story is uh, there's a mega church in Arizona. Guy sent some people over and uh, to try and start a church. It failed. Then the pastor's son ended up going and he was trying to start one. And right before it failed or whatever, the he decided, you know what, I'm just going to go knock on the doors of everyone in the community, take around a piece of paper and just ask them what their needs are. And that's what he did. Lo and behold, then comes, you know, that's how he forms the dream center and it becomes really successful. So it's, again, it's about caring for the people that's involved. And then also not trying to, if you try to do what works in, you know, your town in Georgia, it's probably not going to translate over to Washington or to Ethiopia or to China. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and you know, you'll find yourself in a rough place sometimes if you're not listening to your people. Yep. All so right. Speaking of, yeah, this is intentions. Some, this is something. Methods. This is something that you've been wanting to talk about. I think for about a month and a half. <laughs> no, we keep we've kept pushing it out and out. I came across this, and I just thought it was really, really interesting. And so, basically, there's a study done, and and there have been a ton of studies done. This study represent, uh, references, uh, you know, geez, a bunch of them. And so basically what the study is, is it's a study on trigger warnings and how, and their effectiveness. So the study basically says is to improve the body of research on this topic, referring to trigger warnings, Jones and his colleagues conducted a randomized experiment among two groups of people who had experienced a serious trauma in the past. Both groups read a series of literature passages one group received trigger warnings prior to distressing passages, while the other did not. Participants rated their emotions after reading each passage and also completed a series of questionnaires at the end. So that's the study. Wait, wait so they received uh, what beforehand? That first group? They, re- uh, they received, so one group, re- uh, both groups received a series of liter- literature passages. Uh-huh. One group received trigger warnings prior to distressing passages so they would receive a, a warrant <laughs> <laughs> i missed it the first time i'm sorry <laughs> i can't help myself it's all good. <laughs> oh man and then while the other group didn't and so that's how they did everything one group received the trigger warnings oh shoot i didn't know you were- <laughs> <laughs> hey you'll be able to edit that <laughs> um and while the other group didn't so after that, they rated their emotions after reading each passage and also completed a series of questionnaires at the end. So this is how they defined trigger warnings, just so everyone's clear. Giving a trigger warning means providing prior notification about forthcoming content with, with forthcoming content that may be emotionally disturbing. 
So it's kind of like a PG-13 label or whatnot right. or a viewer discretion advised warning, right? That's just an example. So what the study showed is this, which is really interesting. However, empirical studies on trigger warnings suggest that they are functionally inert or cause small adverse side effects. We conducted a pre-registered replication and extension of a previous experiment. Trauma survivors were randomly assigned to either receive or not receive or to not receive trigger warnings before reading passages from world literature. We found no evidence that trigger warnings were helpful for trauma survivors for participants who self-reported a PTSD diagnosis or for participants who qualified for probable PTSD, even when survivors trauma matched the passages content. We found substantial evidence that trigger warnings counter therapeutically reinforce survivors view of their own trauma as central to their identity. And I just thought it was really interesting because we live in this age, right? And I think in some context, you know, it makes sense. Hey, you're about to see someone get beheaded. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Warn <laughs> me about that. Yeah, it's and that's and it's funny because I don't even I would those are like just straight up warnings, you know. Trigger right. warnings are the things that I almost think that a lot of us use them now at almost as a semi joke. It's like half right. joking where you're like, hey, this might trigger somebody or like, hey, this is a, you know, maybe a little more of a, you know, mature subject or whatever. Um, but right. we're also semi joking about it because um, ever that was like the thing back. I mean, like five years ago is when that kind of stop, started up, right? Where everyone's like, oh, I'm yes. triggered. I, this triggers me. And you're like, oh, gosh. Well, it, it's interesting because. Like with, as you're mentioning, the trigger warnings, when they started up, they basically what happens, what the study says is that they transport victims back to their trauma and then it filters their entire perspective through their trauma. So, you know, I know for me, um, and, and again, I think it comes from good intentions, right? You know, g generally speaking for the most part, because I've had people do it to me to where right before I'm about to watch a TV show or movie that they've seen, or even if you know we're watching something brand new together, and you know someone commits suicide or someone shoots themselves, there and you know because you know my mom committed suicide and she shot herself, they'll say, "Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you over?" And I'm like, "Dude, I wasn't thinking about my mother until you brought it up." Uh huh. <laughs> like, yep. Appreciate it. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, if, if, if I get, and again, I think it comes from people being wanting to be loving and kind and have good intentions, but that's just, you know, my own personal experience, uh, to, you know, it bothers me. I don't want someone, Hey, you know, well, it's like, okay. So one that I can, I can tell you, and I won't, I won't give any of the names or anything in this situation, okay. but, um, a girl, uh, that, I, uh, well, I can say this. So one of the, the girls that I work with was in the Marines. Okay. And, um, someone else that we work with one time asked her if she had ever killed anybody. <laughs> and mm. that's like, that's like a major no, no that's in the military. No, no. Yeah. And, and it is because of exactly what we're talking about. It's like, that can really fill, you know, it's like filtering everything through that and being like, Oh man, these people that I killed or even if I, I don't even think she did because I, I don't, she worked in uh, security for the most part. So I don't, I don't think um, she was ever in any um, live uh, combat. Um, but again, she hasn't told me that. So it's, you know, you never know. Um, but I don't ask because it's all part of that. So, um, and sometimes, you know, uh, you, it's one of those things where people occasionally will open up to you 
Um, yeah, I've had friends in the past do that, but it's it's not a um, it's not something that you need to ask, right? And it, and it's right. it it's hard to explain to people sometimes when they haven't been in that situation. Because uh, the person was like, "Oh, I don't understand. Like, why? Why can't I ask that or whatever?" Because this person was very young, to be fair. Um, and it's just like that's it's just something you don't do. Yeah. You just don't do it. It's 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 polite not to do that, right? <laughs> like, and it's it, it's crazy because even with just throwing out a basic, "Hey, trigger warning, you're about to experience something traumatic." What it, basically you start doing is you start going through every traumatic event that you've had in your life and then all of a sudden it's a bunny getting run over by a car or something yeah. or just you know well, something minor that has nothing to do with you at all and yep. so sets you off yep and it it's basically conforming your identity to your trauma yeah and think about and unintentionally think right? about the what we talk about all the time with trauma-based entertainment Right. There's a reason that we call it that. Yep. And it's because, uh, oh, uh, we talked about it on episode 69 with the Bel Air stuff. Yes, we where, did. Where it's like they it is constantly being told. Uh, we'll just say to black Americans, uh, hey, this is your struggle. Right. Mm-hmm. This is why you're a victim. And they do it to other groups, too. It's not just black Americans, but it's always in the sense of like, um, oh, see, you come from this place where you have gangs yeah. and violence or you come from this background of slavery and you have this and you you have to over, overcome this and you have to get past yes. this. And so you're they're constantly being told this from everything around them and they're not really well, I won't say for certain, but I would I would guess that they're not actually taking the time to figure out who they are, what they want for their lives and how they're going to accomplish that, right? Which is right. why someone like Mo is so interesting to me because he is thinking about these things and he's out there trying to help explain to everyone else um including uh other black black americans like no like this is this is the way that it is or it's like this is why this is the way that it is mm-hmm. um and, it, and it's not just coming from like 12 years a slave or whatever the case may be um, right he's got it- he's got like a, a handle on a lot of this whereas a lot of other people whether not again not just black americans a lot of people yeah. just they're they're like living in that right um we were right. talking about it on on the stream on friday um where it, it uh the the what was it uh people's trauma or mm-hmm. their their um their weaknesses or whatever it's become this like competition yes um it's like oh it's gonna bring that up yeah it, who hey uh you're all in a line everyone take a step forward if you've had this event happen to you it's like how many of you grew up without a father bunch of people take a step forward next one's like how many of you have ever been called a racist term before less people step forward uh and then it just goes and goes how until many there's of like, you are dallas cowboys fans <laughs> uh <laughs> until there's like one left right and then yeah. it's like oh i'm the winner of of the oppression olympics yay and it's like uh what <laughs> dude and it's so crazy too not only that but i feel like they bastardized the word trigger for people who yeah. actually have trauma yeah and and that's not taking a who have you know I guess you want to if you want to you know be specific medium to severe trauma and I, I don't want to discount any that's I'm not trying to discount anyone's trauma I'm just by labeling everything a trigger and as trauma nothing is nothing is yeah and and that's the point and and that's what I hate because of just the people I've had had around me who've gone through horrific things and it's like bro you're crying over your stump toe 
I'm sorry you stumped your toe, but get over it. <laughs> like, you're going to get better. It's okay. Yeah. And then, you know, also I view trigger warnings as basically like saying no offense before you say something really offensive. <laughs> you know, I, I don't see it as the person's really caring. Generally speaking, it's more of a way uh, to justify so someone can justify what they're about to say. It's like, just say it. I don't need a trigger warning. Yeah. Just say what yeah. you're going to say, and then we can just reflect on it and have difficult conversations <laughs> if we need to. It's okay. Or just move on because sometimes it's just not. You know, I, yeah. we, I, you and I have talked about this for years at this point, but it's like, what are the hills that you're willing to die on? Yep. Like, when when is the time to have like a serious conversation, and when is the time to just be like, okay, we can let this go? All right. You know? That is absolutely right. Well, I'm going to say this and then we can move on. Speaking of hills to die on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so this is interesting. This is uh, how they concluded their study. People who view trauma as a core part of their identity have worse symptoms. Being Mm -hmm. anxiety, uh, relatedly, another study found that trigger warnings produce greater psychological markers of anticipatory anxiety compared with uh, PG 13 warnings or no warnings. So it's basically, mm-hmm. they're not, you know, they're aimed to help people with anxiety and they don't even do, they don't help in anticipatory anxiety. So right before you view the content or the anxiety afterwards. So, yeah. So yeah, no bueno. Yeah. All right. Well, we're not going to be talking about Canada much today. Um, but this clip did pop up pretty, I think it was probably the day after we, uh, we recorded last week and, um, old, uh, Trudeau, someone pulled this out of the, the archives and him talking about his favorite country. So I'm just going to go ahead and play this. Okay. Watching for even with Sun TV watching for any slip, he was asked which country he most admired and referred to China. There's a level of, of, uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, because their, you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them, uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start, you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted, uh, that I find quite interesting. Even with Sun T. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah, that's not surprising. The other clip yeah. I have in there beneath that is essentially the World Economic Forum guy, Charles Schwab, uh, saying that he handpicked Trudeau for... Uh, oh, not just him. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, nice. You want to play it? I, I, I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, uh, Merkel. even uh, Vladimir Putin, and Putin. so on. They all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Class Minister Trois. Trudeau, Trudeau. Um, President of, Brez- of uh, Argentina, and Macron, so Argentina. penetrates the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, rece- at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau. Oh, gosh. I sorry, everybody. That's them, not us. That <laughs> half of this cabinet, or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet, are for our actually young global leaders of the world. Economy right. Forum. and that's true in Argentina too. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That's- All right, we're gonna put a stop to their awful yeah. mic setups. <laughs> yeah, cloth swab, not. 
Charles Schwab. That's the uh, financial guy I'm thinking of. Klaus Schwab, yeah. (laughs) Um, And they're not the only ones, too. I am 99% sure that... Who's the eye patch man? The pirate from Texas. Oh, Dan Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw's on that list. So is. Um, oh, he is. I'm pretty sure that's the list. Um, I, I, in fact, I might have to make a note of it and see if I can find like a uh, a list of the people who were involved in. Dude, uh, do it. In and the, then let's the cover World it on Economic Forum. Yeah, uh, I because I think um, not Maisie Hirono. Who's the the one that everybody likes from Hawaii? Um, oh. Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. I'm you think sure, she's on it? I'm pretty sure she's on that list too. Oh um, man. Yeah. It's it's and one of the wink. Yep. Uh, it, it's one of those things that it's like Tulsi's good on um, the wars for the most part. At least right. she's she's good on she was really good on Afghanistan because she understood that. But there's a lot of the other stuff with the wars that she doesn't understand, and a lot of it has to do with um, the uh, with um, da, 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 da. sorry. Um, no, you're fine. Uh, regime change stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure she's pretty terrible on that. And you know, and that uh, you, you got to think like uh, all of these people are involved in this, including Putin. And then we're constantly having as just like normal people dealing with uh, you know this threat of war, and um, you know for some reason going to Ukraine and all that stuff going on. And it's like a lot of it can be uh, traced back to stuff like the World Economic Forum. Mm. Um, they're, mm-hmm. they're all kind of in it together at least oh yeah absolutely if, if you're going down the like slight conspiracy route but it it's one of those things that the comp- the conspiracy seem to be uh proven true just about oh, every week again. at this point yep. yeah goes back to the horseshoe theory right too mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. mentioned above so um this next topic we have what is it are we on Oh, yeah. So I just uh, included that uh, the truth is revealed. They don't care about you. I thought this was a good tweet from Liz Churchill. Don't know who she is. She's a Canadian. I'm I'm assuming because she has a Canadian flag by her name. (laughs) But it says, pay attention. Not one Western leader has condemned the actions of Trudeau. Yeah. I just thought it was a great way to. has, uh, Has Trump's come out and said anything? Oh, I don't know. You can't. Well, I, I just don't check, so I yeah. have no idea. Well, Maybe he's, I'm sure. Yeah, he's he's too busy with Truth Social right now, or whatever. <laughs> but I I would be you really totally get an account. Yeah, I'd be really curious uh, if he's like said anything or not. Um, just considering he's still got somewhat of a rabid fan base. Yes, he does. But speaking of not having rabid fan bases <laughs> <laughs> i don't think he's gonna win too many people over with this one talking about mayor eric adams yeah he uh had a little something to say here uh, you want me to go ahead and just play it yeah you just go ahead and play it all right and i had no idea what drill rapping was but i called my son and he sent me some videos and it is alarming and we are going to pull together the social media companies and sit down with them and state that you have a civic and corporate responsibility. You know, I mean, we pulled Trump off Twitter because of what he was spewing. Yet we are allowing uh, uh, music, 
displaying of guns, violence. We're allowing it to stay uh, on these sites uh, because look at the victims. We're bringing them in. We're going to show exactly what is being uh, displayed and we are alarmed by it. Uh, we are alarmed by the use of social media to really over-proliferate this violence in our communities. What are your thoughts on that? Um, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down a little bit and you tell me if I'm off at all. Okay. So he's saying that there are people who are rapping Mm-hmm. And threatening people, and I and the, right. and I know from just some of the other parts of this that we're going to get into with the clip that he also mentioned somewhere that they're bragging about people that they've killed. Uh, I don't. You'd have to play it again. I, it's not I in this. It's not. In, it's not in this part of the clip. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure he mentions it. Uh, in the last clip that we're going to play. Um, but it, okay. it make it it kind of goes along with this. Um, if this is the case, right? And he's worried about this. Why isn't he actually uh, getting a hold of these people who allegedly live in New York? Um, that's that's sort of the idea behind this is that these drill rappers live in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, his idea, instead of actually potentially dealing with a problem of violence and murder in a city, is to ban <laughs> the the stuff from the ban internet. Music. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's what's causing. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Trump saying his video games cause him violence. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna mention that. So, <laughs> and that's been the case. I mean, we, I, I bring this up all the time, but that you know, Hillary Clinton did a lot of that stuff with uh, Grand Theft Auto back in the day. Yep. She's not the only one. There were, man, I can't even remember some of the names of the the politicians. There, most of them aren't even around anymore. Um, but they were all hardcore into that. Um, you know they were trying to get all of this music taken down because they were blaming like Marilyn Manson for the kids um, at, and Columbine and um, just like a lot of uh, a lot of that stuff has happened throughout time where it's like an incident will happen and they're like, oh, he played Call of Duty. Therefore, Call of Duty is the reason that he did this. Exactly. And it's, it's such an asinine oh, perspective, yeah. dude. Oh, it is. And even his own New York uh, Police Department Deputy Chief Joseph Gulata uh, told the New York Daily News that it's a mistake to blame the music for several recent shootings involving Brooklyn rappers. And this is our, these are his exact quotes. These are gang shootings. I think sometimes rap and the lyrics ignite, cause some issues, but I don't think that's the underlying motive at the end of the day. Sensible. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like you, there, there potentially could be a correlation right and that that could be happening and and i think uh in mo's most recent episode he kind of mentioned some of this uh more from the perspective of that there are people getting on like spotify and there's music on there of people bragging about people that they've killed mm-hmm. um, and that stuff's allowed to stay but then like rogan's getting taken off for stuff that he said you know right. near, nearly like a decade and a half ago um and it's it's a little different but it, the idea is it's like okay is is it is it all going to be okay on the internet or are you going to start policing things and what's interesting too about what he said Mm -hmm. in that first clip is that uh if you think that it would 
only be used on uh, social media as far as like for drill rap or whatever people are sorely mistaken because oh yeah he, he specifically mentioned like guns and um uh, you know everything that kind of you essentially what i'm saying is that he could break up into little pieces like okay well any type of like firearm stuff that we see on social media we're gonna ban any type of um thing that sounds potentially like a threat to someone we're going to ban that too right Um, Right. and this is when you get into this place where social media is taking too much power into their hands and people cannot express themselves anymore yep Uh, it's a terrible idea government doesn't need to be in it Um, you know because it's solely based off of what they what they define as problematic and this is what it comes back to exactly what is hate speech how do you define it and even more important who gets to define it exactly yeah Um, and it's it's it always seems that um, you're better off uh, going in the direction of not trying to ban any of it because the minute, yep. like you were saying, you start to, uh, that's when things you know get in the way. Because you got to think about this too from a perspective of when when is it that something's on the radio and say it's like a, a Christian pastor on the radio or whatever, and all of a sudden he can't do his stuff anymore because the person who is in charge of deciding what is allowable speech and what isn't uh, now decides that their stuff isn't allowable anymore. Exactly. Um, and this is the stuff that we were talking about. I mean, like you and I talked about this on the on here for. The, the lifetime of the show so far um, where people always seem to be in their, their little like bubble. Mm-hmm. And so something like this happens and they go, well, um, or, or say for instance, you're living in New York, right? Cause that's, that's where it is. And it's like, well, that's just about drill rap. That would never happen to our church. It's like sorely mistaken. Yeah. And that's why it's like when it comes to federal level, when, when they, if they started saying stuff like this, it's like, you should be worried no matter where you are, because whatever they're currently going after, that's potentially a gateway. Um, and by the way, we were right about um, the the stuff with the uh, Emergencies Act up in Canada. They've already talked about how some of that stuff is going to stay in place forever. Yep. Yep. A lady just came out talking yeah. about how some of it's going to be permanent. And it's just like, uh, you know. We told y'all. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> it's like, that's <laughs> that's what goes on all the time. And, you know, people are just like, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. And it's like, are you? <laughs> At this point, anyway, are you really? Yeah, so there's two more clips, um, and both of these are kind of interesting. So the drill rappers got together uh, with the – he's the mayor, right? Right. The mayor of New York, and so this is what they had to say. And if, if for those of you who are listening to this um, on audio, uh, there are probably 20 no, maybe not 20. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Like 15 guys surrounding the mayor of New York. <laughs> and, and he looks, I'm, I'm telling you, like if you were looking at this, he looks slightly sla- slouched. Um, I wouldn't say totally defensive, but I think he feels uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and this is just what they, they had to say. So we'll play this and then there's one more. Okay. Go ahead. It's 11.30 on Tuesday night. It's been a lot of talk about drill rap, drill music, New York City, connecting violence with the with the culture. And um, I just wanted to create a conversation with the mayor. We brought Fabio here. We got Young Beloved here. We got uh, uh, Slow and Bucks here. We got uh, Bleezy here to talk about, you know, what's really happening so the mayor could get a, a real perspective and a real understanding of what drill rap is. And so that, you know, we could, we could have some real dialogue and, and really start to really make things happen. 
And we're going to roll out something together on the whole conversation, and we're looking forward to it. And I appreciate you, man. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> so cringe. Yeah, it's super, and and you can tell like, oh man, he uh he didn't know what he was doing. No, when he's he had that comfortable. Yeah, and when he had that first press conference, it's like, bro, you got yourself in deep with these guys. Yeah. Um, this would actually be a really interesting. I I don't really care to to look into like drill rap more, but it would be interesting to hear like a breakdown of um. Uh, the culture of that and like the what is correct as far as like what's going on with that and is does is there any type of correlation with the um, certain violence in New York Um, and then what isn't and what is more of just like what you would hear from uh, other rap artists where they they have beefs and then they do diss tracks right you know what I mean it just be kind of cool to hear so after I mean I mean Sorry, good go on him if you know this is genuine and he's wanting to reach out to them and you know all that stuff but go yeah, ahead i don't yeah the genuineness you know yeah. <laughs> so and then after he got asked how the meeting went after uh, uh they had had it i think this is like the next day or something like that how did the um, meeting last night with the drill rappers come about and what's your takeaway from that <laughs> it was the first time they were in the the meeting of the cow you know, uh, that these young men and women uh, were sitting inside. I don't know if you saw that. Sorry, real quick. Uh, he says young men and women. At least in that video, there's not a single woman in that video. Nope. <laughs> I just needed to point that out. <laughs> like, I thought that he, was funny, too. Yeah, I was like, what's he talking about? A picture, but for the first time in my life, I looked cool hanging out with all of them. And it was very interesting because I don't know who said it, but they said, we heard you were going to ban drill rapping. I did not say that. (laughs) You know, I was very clear on what I stated. And they came in with a lot of energy of, you know, here's a 62-year-old guy that don't don't understand. Hey, my plan isn't to ban ban playing football. I'm just going to ban helmets, uh, the football itself. pads uh i'm gonna ban specific rules from football uh but i'm not banning football you can still play football this this is basically what he said Uh, you know what i'm saying yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. he's like "Uh, well i didn't specifically say and this is this is politician talk man this is yep uh what what is uh, referred to as politicking where it's like well i didn't say i was going to actually ban this thing uh i was just going to ban everything that had to do with this thing so yeah but i never said that specific thing exactly yeah they uh they you know it's i i think i've mentioned on the show but it's like i i don't ever want to necessarily assume that these people are stupid right like they're they're smart in a way because they know how to weave their words to say like well i didn't exactly say that oh yeah those weren't my exact words you know they all have pr teams yep you know they've got a lot of people around them around them helping them keep everything somewhat neat Exactly. Um, so I'll finish this up. And young people and you want to destroy and I let them talk. And then I told them what I said. That violent people who are using drill rapping to post who they killed and then antagonize the people who they are going to kill is what the problem is. It's also not what he said. So I nope. Yeah. 
Not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. Uh, I Again, it goes back to like, hey, man, you have real violent crimes going on in your city. You have all of this stuff happening. Uh, what are you doing about it, right? He, it, it, It's starting to feel like we're getting another Lori Lightfoot out of this situation. Where they're constantly saying like, well, we know about the violence. The violence is bad. It's like, well, what are you doing to fix the violence? It's like, well, what? Huh? The violence is bad. I just told you. It's ha- yeah, bad. it's bad. Have, haven't you heard of this drill rap? We have to take care of this drill rap. This is what's causing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous. Oh, man. Which is why we want to decentralize from the federal government. And then the next step is the state government. Because yes. you should have uh, the more control of your own life, more liberty. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you don't have anything else to say about that, I want to get into this last clip. Oh, I forgot. He's the reason why he wants to uh, at least hurt their drill rap is because he's releasing his own um, drill rap uh, about them crackers he was talking about last <laughs> week. Uh, he's got like his own name and label, <laughs> and he's like, "If I get rid of all the competition, <laughs> I can be the only drill rapper." Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. So. Uh, yeah, I uh, I had forgotten about uh, this clip that I'd, I'd seen a while ago, and you and I have talked about. Now that I'll just say I'll say this very um, uh, cautiously that now yeah. that co- that COVID, that the Rona, and all of these things, at least in the U.S., are finally starting to slightly go away. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the mandates, and it doesn't seem like lockdowns are going to happen again. I don't think it would work, even if they attempted to try to do it again. Um, so, uh, in a very like, mm, it does seem like we're finally getting rid of a lot of this stuff, and a lot of people are backing away from it. Um, I had forgotten about this clip, and you and I have have been talking about again since basically the start of the show that um, it was very strange to us the reaction from I'll say popular churches or churches that are sort of um, in mainstream the bigger uh, mega churches who all sort of completely fell in line with the COVID regime and and didn't question it and didn't push back against it in the slightest now of course there were exceptions to that I, I think it was John MacArthur right who um, correct he he was one of uh, the churches that pushed back um, and then of course there were churches in Canada that were in the news and that we had heard about a lot but as far as American churches are concerned, I mean, unless you have any other ones that you can think of besides MacArthur's, um, the clip that I'm about to play from this one is about the only other one. I can't think of any off my head. I'm sure there are, but I can't think of There are not many. Right? Listen, if anybody out there is listening and they know of any of them, send them to us because I would like to highlight some more of this. Um, but right now we're we're sitting at a grand total of about two in the U.S. Um, so this is uh, this is from uh, the Pursuit. They're a church in Seattle, Washington. Um, so I, I feel like they're allowed to put a little bit of a feather in their cap for this as well because of the area of the country that they're in. Yeah, um, exactly. Kind of like John MacArthur as well, since he's in California. Uh huh. And I, um, I've listened to, to this guy speak a few times and, uh, he's, he's a younger guy, uh, but he seems pretty solid for the most part. There's nothing that's imme- immediately made me go, huh? Uh, right. so, you know, take, take that as, as you will. It's like, you know, pe- we've all learned that 
pastors from churches uh, have a tendency to be able to hide very easily the things that go on in their lives if they they so wish. So we have to kind of take it at face value and what we've got. Um, and I just kind of really appreciated what this guy did for his church. And so I just wanted to play this clip. It's about four minutes, um, and then we'll close the show out. Right. Over the last 12 months, we've faced some unprecedented challenges in our community. At every turn of the journey, people from pursuit have stepped up to meet needs. Meals have been provided and, and medical bills have been paid and resources have been given away. But most importantly, the church has gathered to glorify Jesus. Yeah, I know this has been a difficult season for so many. And I won't ever shame people for attending church online. In fact, I love that technology has made that possible. But for those who decide to gather in person, they should be able to do so without the fear of government reprisal. Here's a pattern I've noticed. Every time the government grows, personal liberty shrinks. Regardless of what political party you're in, that should concern you. How have we gone from being a country that values religious freedom to having a government that now micromanages religious gatherings. How did we go from Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof to you must now ask our permission to gather on Sunday morning? If 25% of the church is allowed to gather, then the church is not allowed to gather. If 50% of the church is allowed to gather, then the church is not allowed to gather. The same politicians who are telling us to trust the science also tell us men can be women, women can be men, and, and babies can be terminated in the womb up until the ninth month. Let me be clear, I trust the science. What I don't trust is the totalitarian political class and their unfettered lust for power, control, and authority. If there's ever been a time for the church to be open, friend, it's now. And that brings us to here. On Monday of, of last week, we received a 14-page letter from the Department of Health informing us that they have recommended our church for prosecution to the Attorney General's office for violating the governor's COVID mandates. The government has told us not to gather, not to sing, not to play instruments, not to take communion. This same government has set up hotlines encouraging neighbors to snitch on one another and enough is enough. Like Peter preached in the book of Acts, we must obey God rather than man. This coordinated campaign of intimidation and harassment against this church will not work. At some point, somebody has to say this far, but no further. You know, it's possible to hold two truths at the same time. You know, we ought to take serious the health challenges of our community and also take serious the spiritual mandates of our religion. Here's what I'm asking for. Number one, prayer. For when we pray, God shakes the nations. Number two, support. Should continue to give and serve and engage with the mission of God in this community. Number three, commitment. If there's ever been a time to place our hand on the plow, it's now. Every believer will ultimately make their own decision. Every pastor has different complications to manage. I'm not here to tell anyone else how to live their life, but as for me and this house, we will serve the Lord. And if the Attorney General wants to find me, I'll be here at Pursuit every Sunday, 9, 10.30 and noon. 
We cancel sickness. We cancel disease. We cancel fear and demons and darkness. We cancel power-hungry politicians, but we ain't canceling church. And to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. I'm about to start speaking in tongues up in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, I'm messing. Yeah. It, well, it's it's one of those things that's like, uh, you know, where it's true? Yeah. Where what? Where was this? And this guy again. He he's like he gets this 14 page letter, um, from their health, you know, the health department or whatever, and they're gonna prosecute the church or whatever. This isn't. I mean. As far this this didn't cross my radar at all. Nope. Over the last two years, um, Dude, no. I, this is my first time hearing it. Yeah. Where's the gospel coalition about this stuff? Like, where's any of uh, desiring they, God? Yeah. Where are these people who are, are are like, hey, like, you know, the government's actually persecuting a church, right? Oh, I can't not desiring God. I want to speak for them, but we know where the gospel coalition <laughs> we're getting their information from. <laughs> Man, uh, and I don't. Uh, he um. Francis Collins. <laughs> you know, he, yeah, well, I was trying to remember. I, there was a specific point that he made that I was trying to. Uh, we must obey God rather than man. Yeah, that. that uh, you one, really hit a good point because I'm wondering what Judas Smith, uh, he, he has a mega church in Seattle or in Washington State. I don't know if it's specifically in Seattle. I'm sure it is. Uh, I wonder what his stance was, what, what they did. And, you know, I, I like this guy took a matter of Christian conscience to say, you know, you know, I'm not here to, uh, what was it that he said? I think you tell other people how to run their house, but as for me in this house, we will serve the Lord. Sorry. Oh, that's that. Yeah. He was saying, um, the thing that got me was when he said, if 25% of the church, um, if only 25% allowed of the church is allowed to attend, then, uh, the church isn't allowed to attend. And he's like, and 50%, 75%. Uh, mm. and it's, it's a pretty strong point because it's like, that is true. Right. Um, even, uh, even the church that I'm going to, like they were doing like reservations and stuff. And the whole time that was going on, I was like, this feels wrong. Yep. I was oh, like, this, it, this feels wrong. wrong. Like to, to make me like, reserve a seat, it, but I'll say it like to operate under that mindset is wrong. You know, I mean, it's just the Christians who are getting persecuted in the early days of the church, the Christians who went towards sickness, right? Again, mm-hmm. no one's saying be stupid. No one's saying don't, you know, that the disease isn't serious, right? Yeah. But it almost, it's almost like Christians became more worried about themselves yeah, and getting think, something than I, loving and caring for others, right? Think, and that's the conviction right. that holds for all of us, my, me included, you included. Maybe not with COVID, but maybe it's been something else where we put ourselves over other people mm-hmm. when we're called to think of ourselves last. Yeah. It's like it's funny because the I am second bracelet <laughs> and channel that people have, you know, yeah. it's actually that's actually, you know, theologically that would be wrong, just a technicality. Um, it would be Jesus, others, and then yourself. So technically it'd be I am third. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. I just laugh every time I see them. I actually have one too. Uh, but uh, I get the idea. I'm not being that person. I understand what they're meaning when they say I am second. Of course. But, uh, but yeah, so it goes back to that mindset of where are the people running to the sick and the vulnerable? And 
primarily gathering the the gathering of the church, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know now we're and dealing counting their lives as nothing is what I meant to finish that with. <laughs> we're we're dealing with a situation where you know churches are starting to gather again, and at least from my own experience, they're just kind of doing business as usual. They're almost kind of pretending like the last two years didn't happen and only men- mentioning yeah. it like as a uh, an afterthought. Right. And uh, it's like, bro, like the churches were closed. You know, ours was closed for nearly a year. Uh, a lot of them were closed even longer and some of them never reopened. And again, it comes from good intentions, right? Like we said earlier, mm-hmm. these churches had good intentions, but... Yeah, exa- well yeah, exactly, but they uh they they chose potentially the safe path rather than what was the correct thing to do. Right. Um especially when it when it started to feel like okay, this might not be what we thought that it was. And yep. I've always said, you and I have both always said like you could have easily been like come if you want. We're not closing. If you don't want to, we'll have the online service, just like he was saying. And I, I tend to agree with him, right? There there can be a usefulness to the technology to be able to have people watch um, from home. Now, Absolutely. We, we, and again, you can hold two perspectives, right? Yeah. Like we're going to gather in church and the disease is serious. Yeah. Come if you want to, stay if you don't want to, right? Yeah. Wear a mask if you want to. Like you make the decisions that you think are going to be best for yourself, right? Um, but the idea of like we're just to- totally closing. You know, yep. um, I think even if they especially with the mask thing back when uh, with a lot of people were still kind of like in that middle ground. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they had said we're going to open, but we would ask that everyone wear a mask, but we're not we're not doing 25 percent, 50 percent, whatever. It's like you come if you want to. Otherwise, we have online services um, right. been like, OK, right. But people close. They close for a very long time. Yep. And it's very noticeable that uh, that COVID had an effect on a lot of that. And I saw, of course, it was Gospel Coalition, but I saw them put out an article trying to essentially say that COVID wasn't the reason for the lack of um, <laughs> attendance at churches. And I'm just like, man. Come on, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, so, anyway, we got to close this episode out. Uh, Joseph, do you have anything else you want to add before we go? No, man, I'll leave it there. All right. Well, we will be back on Thursday uh, talking a lot about Lord of the Rings. Um, our video did super well on uh, YouTube when we uh, we put it up there um, this past Friday. So um, if you haven't watched it yet, you can go over there and check that out too. Give us a like, sub to the channel if you haven't done that already. We're, as of right now, about 11 subs away from our first 100 subscribers on YouTube. So it's a big deal for me and Joseph. Yes, it um, is. <laughs> and... Um, Yeah, other than that, uh, we will be back on Thursday talking about some entertainment stuff. Until then, y'all take it easy. See ya. Politics ruins everything. Tell me what's worse than learning all that you led to believe was all horse crap. They distort so question as if you Warshack. Horsemen, force men, and they've long been having the course mapped. It ain't that you can't see, cause you can find it homes, it's that you don't want to. You cope by putting the blinders on. I've been trying to find some kind of way, but I've kind of known that y'all would rather whine and lash to nonsense cause your mind is gone. I can't save every person in politics and it's bringing the worst out the very earth. And every perk of living on this turf is being chipped at and nerfed, but I can't sit back and lurk. I've got to hit back, I'm certain it's my purpose. And it's a beautiful thing too. Uh.
path of technological advances I used to be on dial up looking for answers Now what? Underappreciating was candid And 20 years later we got computers that hand fit Used to be playing Sega Genesis with bros Now I'm gaming with some folks on the other side of the globe Used to go through a label if you trying to blow Now people got more options on the table, gotta post Social media got us connected as ever on every medium Should be more righteous and clever but what we see in this Communication is error and still the devious Evil's immediate, tedious that you gotta be remediate Cause idiots get heebie-jeebies in the event that they don't agree with you Try to ruin your whole life cause you say what they dislike God forbid y'all disagree without a fight The type of stuff that will clear up if you lighten up Jack Your trifle subject, your life would right if you give up that You're mad at nothing, not adding up when you're sad enough at a sad sack that gets aggravated And now you pay it forward Let people make your blood boil Emotions firing like microwave foil Or the oil they annoy you You add another's neck for the wrong reasons Election years now seeming like full-blown seasons Man You let politics ruin Or rather control Your whole life, man You gonna be a miserable person Straight up And unfortunately, that's where we're at a lot of people are consumed by this And it's driving them crazy And they hate their neighbors Sad